0: Hi and welcome to Spartan Speak, a production of the Lansing State Journal, Detroit Free Press, and USA Today Network. I am Graham Couch of the Lansing State Journal, alongside my co-host Chris Solari of the Detroit Free Press, and what is a uh, very interesting time to be covering Michigan State football?
1: Fascinating, <laughs> if you
0: will. <laughs> yeah, you might say. Uh, this is—we uh, are recording this uh, late morning, midday, mo- uh, midday Monday. Um, and, uh, you know, 48 hours ago, uh, we were getting ready to cover a, a football game with Mel Tucker as Michigan State's coach. And um, now uh, he is no longer, at least for the time being, Michigan State's coach. I don't think he, he will be again. Uh, he's been suspended without pay based on the evidence that, that showed up in a uh, really uh, detailed and exhaustive USA Today uh, investigative piece. And um, in which he, he has been accused of sexual, sexually harassing uh, through unwanted phone sex. Brenda Tracy, the uh, noted sexual assault, uh, uh, um, anti-sexual assault, I should say, activist. I hate when I say sexual assault activist. Yeah, it's an
1: t- easy one to trip over. True um, yeah.
0: And, and, a, and a rape survivor I, I,
1: I try to go with uh, sexual assault victims advocate. You know, that's a good um, that's a, I think that's probably the the way to define it and and, and it covers herself as a a survivor of uh rape situation and obviously she's a big name she's not the first time people
0: around Michigan State have heard her name and she's she's a huge uh person in that space and there's all sorts of the so the ironies of, of somebody who is you brought to your campus to speak to your team about good behavior, about modeling good behavior, about being an example, about using your platform for good, all that stuff. And obviously now you you wind up in this situation. To me, they had no choice but to remove him from the head coaching position. You just can't have all that information out there and everybody know that and, and know where the investigation stands with uh, an early October hearing on the findings of the Title IX investigation, which has been ongoing since uh, the end of last year. And uh, you you just can't have somebody like that leading your program, leading your team. And uh, I don't think even if somehow the findings go his way, which I don't expect, uh, that might get tricky for the university financially, but I don't think you will ever see him on the sidelines at Michigan State.
1: No, I I agree with that. And, you know, a lot of people have question the timing of the situation i know you wrote about it i think a lot of things are at play the way title nine cases are supposed to play out is that essentially the bosses of an employee which in this case would be alan howler uh, are supposed to know that an employee is under investigation but are not supposed to know the specifics and this is this goes back to some of the things when you when you go back to the the situations where uh Certain cases were reported to the OIE during in the football program back in 2017. Coaches were supposed to let the OIE office know and then step away from it, and basically had to walk away and say, "We can't. We don't need to know details. We just need to report this," and and I think that is something to keep in mind. That you know, though, Haller Alan Haller said he he was aware of the report aware of the complaint in December and knew that the, the final report was finalized July 25th. That doesn't mean he had them nor access to the details until the USA today story came out, which I think is important. And, and from a timing standpoint, I'm not necessarily sure because Michigan state wants to, and I would imagine be airtight in its decision Uh, or in decision-making process that is upcoming on whether or not to fire Mel Tucker uh, for cause, uh, I believe they would need to be airtight on that. And one thing I do think that the timing now, uh, with it being a month out, they have a chance to potentially work an agreement to get him to walk away and, and potentially a limited buyout to to prevent him from talking. I mean, I think a non-disclosure agreement with it. So there's I think there's a lot of things that go into play with this timing right now.
0: Yeah, no, and that's true. You don't want a prolonged fight with him, which I think when you're talking about upwards of eighty million dollars remaining on the contract, you would probably uh you would probably have uh even if even if you have grounds for uh dismissal. Um yeah, no, I, I think that the Title IX thing is important. Title nine is complex. People who cover it don't always even understand the rules at universities, and and the the idea that there are uh, separate lanes and safeguards to prevent, you know, bosses from knowing the the, the details of what's going on in a, in a complaint are there for a reason. And so I, I think one of the things, and and you know, MSU did not do itself any favors in its press conference yesterday because that could have been easily explained, and I think that would have helped. Yeah,
1: yeah should have. E- whether it be Alan Haller or. Uh, interim president Teresa Woodruff or they could have had a third person, a third party there to explain that title nine situation without going into details. And and if they'd
0: just taken like 10 to 15 more minutes of questions, somebody would have gotten to that and it would have come out. And, and, and I think probably now what's, what's done is done there. This isn't uh, ultimately, this wasn't caused by, by, by them. This was caused by Mel, Mel Tucker. But you, you know, I, I do think in terms of where, you know, well, there's a lot of talk right now about why wasn't this just done in December, uh, or why wasn't this done in July when the um, the outside investigator turned in their their, their report, submitted the report, um, and the answers to that, if if what we are being told to believe is is accurate, is that they didn't have a lot of information, and and you wanted to let this play out. Now, you can argue that the speed of this whole thing was too slow. That's fair. You know, there's an argument in this world where uh, somebody should be put on leave uh, initially. Okay, I, I just think that the one thing that gives them also a little bit of, of credibility here on that is that the timing. There's no good timing for this, and the whenever it went, and eventually they knew when there was were these hearings that this was going to get this was going to blow up the season. This was going to blow things up in the program. So this this timing isn't convenient for them it's not the timing was coming six uh, 3 4 weeks from now they were trying to get the process to play out uh, and 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 i do you know and it's it's also possible that they really didn't have the infor- and the information to to make the move before this this also you know people go oh it's just a, a a story that came out well a couple things changed one it's obvious that through this story there there are embarrassing details of conduct by Mel Tucker in the story, some of which he, he admits to, um, and that is—you look at his contract—that may be enough right there. Right. There are also um, once the story comes out, you know, Brenda Tracy, whose um, identity is is should be protected in some ways in a, in a, in a Title IX case. She's basically saying because she worked with USA Today on this, it's 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 okay. You know, the, 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 my name is out there. That changes things from their perspective. So there, there are a number of things out there. It doesn't mean the mistakes weren't made. It doesn't mean people aren't going to keep looking into that. It doesn't mean the story is done. It is not done. But I, I, I do think that, that this idea that that there's some great cover up uh, to keep Mel Tucker, it doesn't doesn't add up just because of uh, the factors I just said.
1: Yeah, and you know, it's it to me moving forward. You know, I, I thought one of the things that Alan Howler said during the the press conference uh, when when he was asked about when when I asked him uh, about the decision to bring back Mark Dantonio on staff, uh, he made it clear that he's thinking about contingency plans all the time. And generally, what that means in football in in athletic department and football circles is who's the next head coach, right? I mean that's ultimately what what uh, athletic administrators are thinking of. I mean, they have short lists of people who they would want to be the next guy. Uh, th- that was pretty clear that to me that a contingency plan of bringing back Mark D'Antonio uh, had been thought of by Alan Haller. And I, I don't think it's a situation where on a Sunday morning, you know, random Sunday morning at whatever time that – Alan Haller's calling Mark D'Antonio and said, "Hey, can you come back and coach?" Uh, I would imagine that that type of contingency plan would have had to have been run up to to Mel Tucker, or to, excuse me, not to Mel Tucker, but to Mark D'Antonio, so Mark D'Antonio could run it up to his wife Becky, um, and, and all sorts of other situations. I don't know if it was necessarily one of those moments where it was just agreed upon right then and there, but the fact that that was a quick that quick of a decision. Um, Tells me that that Alan Haller was maybe potentially preparing for the worst, which I think is as, as an administrator you kind of have to. Like if you, if you if you knew that there was a Title Nine investigation, and if even if you didn't know the the parameters, you he's been around the university and understands what those Title Nine situations can cause. Yeah, he knows there's something serious.
0: He knows there's a hearing for it. You got to be ready for it. And uh, his plan was was uh, was, was Harlan Barnett. Is the uh, the interim coach a guy? He's known forever, uh, dating back to their playing days, and uh, somebody who's been part of Michigan State's program for most of uh, you know the last sixteen years, really, other than a couple years at Florida State uh, under D'Antonio, and then back again uh, un- under Mel Tucker. And uh, you know, I I had written in the column I wrote Sunday that I thought you know that uh, Courtney Hawkins was an interesting option because I think one of the things you have to consider is like what are you what are you hoping to accomplish here as you try to salvage things and keep this together uh, and I thought maybe the guy with the highest upside on that staff in terms of um you not know, you know I, I think has a, a, a great reputation but also you just don't know what he could become as a, as, a, as a head coach might have been Hawkins and maybe that's a way to see how the season plays out and maybe your guy's already on staff and a lot of this can stay together and you and that keeps the most continuity I think certainly Harlan Barnett is somebody who I, I'm, a, I'm a I've, I've always liked Harlan I think he is a um, from my experience a fantastic human being um, he is somebody who is uh, well thought of uh, and treats people well I think he's a good football coach and I think he'll do he'll he'll handle this part well in terms of uh you know trying to keep things together and, and, and steer the ship through the rest of the season beyond that you know I would be kind of surprised if, if he wound up being the long-term option but but we're talking we're also talking week one here and the guy hasn't even had his introductory press conference which will happen Tuesday right. uh and so uh, yeah we, we just don't we just don't know I but I think in terms of steering the ship and and somebody that that Alan Hallard trusts which I think was really important right now there's not an unknown there Yes, I think I think that uh, you, you certainly understand it, and I think this is something that uh, Harlan Barnett has been waiting for for a long time, and not how he wanted to get it, but he has wanted to be a head coach. I think the plan at one point, you know, if you had a beer with Mark Dantonio or something, and Mark Dantonio has never said this to me, but if when late when when uh, Alan, when, sorry, when Harlan Barnett left to go to Florida State, I think the hope was. That things would go really well there as defensive coordinator, and that he would be the heir apparent to D'Antonio. And things didn't go well at Florida State. That whole staff ended up getting dismissed. Yeah. That didn't become an option. But he has wanted this, and uh, and and he'll get his shot.
1: However, uh, you know, brief or long it may be. Yeah, and it's important to to uh, this is a case where the titles do matter. He is acting head coach um, simply because Mel Tucker while suspended is still the head coach until he's relieved of duties. And if and when that comes and it, it, like you said, I, I think we we expect that to be the the resolution, then I think that's when Harlan Barnett becomes the interim head coach. And you know his experience I think and I think it bringing back Mark D'Antonio is kind of almost like uh, bringing in a consigliere of sorts. Um, they're trying to figure out his role. From what Alan Haller said, um, I think the players, from what I gathered, were confused with with how and why and what D'Antonio would do. But Haller said they were excited to have him around. And you know, let's face it: guys like Noah Kim and Trey Mosley were D'Antonio recruits, and this yeah. will be the, this will be their first chance to really get to play for the guy in some ways. Um, I, and I, I I I think it I think it's also important the pecking order here of this is now Harlan Harlan's situation to manage. And D'Antonio is helping him under him because the one thing that I think when you saw it back in February of 2020, when D'Antonio resigned and he was pushing for Luke Fickle to get the job, um, a former assistant of his who, He wanted to get the next opportunity. And I think that's something that D'Antonio has tried to do with a lot of his guys is get them prepared for that next opportunity, like he did with Pat Narduzzi, like he did with Don Treadwell going to Miami, like he did with some of the other coaches that went on to head coaching jobs under his tree. And I think that's kind of I think an important thing to have, even if it's just for ten games for Harlan Barnett. No doubt. And and yeah, and,
0: and from that I mean, you're right, because if you handle this well. And you're Harlem Barnett, and this goes relatively well. And again, Michigan State as a football team has limitations, right? We we know that, you know, and, and that's that's really going to be what I think is the most interesting test of Barnett is you don't have a team that that's probably a championship caliber team. So you're going to face adversity, and your your resolve is going to be tested. And how you get those guys to uh, to stay together, and, and when things do go wrong, and how this staff, you know, and everything everything goes I think I mean it's a test of everything but if, if Barnett does this well even if, if Michigan State doesn't make him the, the the guy afterward you become fairly attractive maybe not at the Big Ten level but you become somebody if you want to go be a head coach somebody's gonna probably give you an offer somewhere and 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 that would be something that, that, that he would have to ultimately decide if, if it didn't work out long term at Michigan State but he also has the chance now to impress for 10 games and to be somebody that that at the end of ten games, you go. Well, that guy was really impressive. Is the head coach in that situation? That's somebody you want leading the program, and uh, the, you know those are usually long shots. It's hard for interim coaches to be uh, the 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 guy long term,
1: but uh, it, it does happen from time to time. I think that's an important point to bring up here too, because the Bobby Williams situation is going to pop into people's heads. If Harlan does well, people are going to say, well. The players pushed for Bobby Williams after they won the the Citrus Bowl in 2000 to get the full-time job, and look how that turned out. I think it's a big difference here. I think it's a major difference because you're talking about a guy, first of all, who's been established within this program under both D'Antonio and Mel Tucker, um, a guy who uh, has had a long history and been at that associate head coach level uh, and been on and run as a coordinator, which I don't believe Bobby Williams had coordinator responsibilities prior to that. But also this is a 10 game sample size. That's not a one game situation. And I think that's an important differing factor. If Harlan Barnett can coach himself into this being a, a full-time position to steal a line from a future
0: column uh, that you just made me think of like I, Bobby, I, I, uh, uh, the, uh, uh, Harlan Barnett, is not Bobby Williams the same way Mel Tucker was not Nick Saban? Yeah, and I think that is you know just because somebody gets put in a similar situation, you see history. History people are different. They're different. They're different backgrounds. They're different levels of coaching, and and uh, that doesn't mean your ultimate. You know, Michigan State may not choose to keep him as is the head coach. You you as much as Alan Haller may like um, Harlan Barnett, he has to do what he thinks is absolutely best for the program. You you cannot you know you, you can't you, you can't just keep somebody because you like them and you think unless but if 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 the season go pl- plays out really well and you think they've done an amazing job and they deserve that shot to run the program then that, that's a different that's a, uh, a a different conversation. I also think, I mean, the thing we really haven't mentioned yet, Chris, is is that the, the where this is hardest and most unfair is a lot is for the players, incredibly, you know? and and that's. Um, it's too bad because you know one of my qualms with the whole process, and uh, with, even with Title IX, which I think is an incredibly important uh, law and 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 uh, process and, and and availability for to allow um, allow for justice on campuses and all that stuff, to protect two people, to be fair to two people here, meant being unfair to a hundred college athletes, and that stings. I don't know that there was a way around it. You could say, well, if this happened earlier, they could have transferred. Yeah, sure. Yeah, if this, if this findings had come out in June, they would have had 30 days in the transfer portal. Some of these guys would have left. The team would have been worse. Some of them would have found good spots. Some of them wouldn't be as happy. I don't know that that's actually a good thing for them. Now, it might have been the more fair thing, but I don't know if it would have been a good thing for them. I think the, the one good thing about this is that for some of these guys— They'll have ten games now. They'll have new data points to decide on whether they want to stick around or not. So often, when one of these things happens, a, a, a coach is dismissed, and you, you all of a sudden, like what happened with Northwestern and the timing of that, the only data point that a player or an athlete is working with is what just happened—the coach being let go. You don't know what life's going to be like. You don't know what the program's going to be like. You don't. Your initial feeling is a little bit more emotional. These guys are going to have a couple months on campus, living their lives, post this Mel Tucker initial decision to remove him as their head coach, to then make a decision about where they want to be. And, and, and then th- th- they can make, an, uh, I think, a more informed decision. For, for you know, I, I guess that would be the only thing that I would say is, is in terms of timing, there was no good timing. This in, on the surface seems worse than others, but it might not be.
1: Well, but at the same point, and I'm gonna argue a different side of this. What we've seen over the course of the last three years is that college football has become business. And i, I I'd have to double check on my numbers. Uh, but just going back, um you know, just kind of looking at it this year, you've got basically eighteen guys who transferred in. Uh, last year, you had ten guys that transferred in. And the year before that, you had 17 guys transferred in. So a lot of those players have already had movement within the portal, which is important because some of them can't move, but also it shows the transactionary side of this. Right. And if you like, and just to kind of look outside, if a CEO in a company gets fired for sexual harassment or something else, there's always going to be employees underneath them that are going to feel the effect of that. And this, I mean. The harsh reality that we're seeing is is, is, is a, it's a lesson in what the business world is to these players who are already technically in a business world. It's not right, it's not fair, but it is something that you have to deal with if you are making this a business.
0: One point I want to check on, though, is is part of the – I mean, the deal is when the coach is fired, it doesn't matter if you've already had your one-time transfer. That is true. So whenever they fire Mel Tucker – And that'll be interesting if it's in season, because that doesn't really work. Like, I I wonder if the NCAA would make it so it's 30 days after the season, because it doesn't really, if the system was, okay, so say the decision to get rid of him officially happens like second week of October, right? Say that's when it happened. I'm just spitballing here. But that would mean those players would have to make that decision before the middle of November. Under that rule, and that doesn't make sense. So I would think that there, if that's what the NCAA is doing, then that's just absurd. Um, but I would think it would be something like they would all have that option after the season. So there will be movement here, I think, and um, and you know the one one thing from a player standpoint, and again, we're getting ahead of ourselves. That I think is helpful now. For Michigan State's football program, which is
1: going to go through some transition and maybe some tough times and maybe tough years, we'll see. I don't know if this was if this has changed since last year, but uh, ESPN last year said that if a coach is fired during the season, that student athletes on the team have a 30-day window from the time the coach is fired to be allowed to enter the portal, no matter the status of what the transfer portal is.
0: So the only thing that's okay. Well, that's interesting. That doesn't that doesn't make any sense. And, and and I and I will have to write about that then, and many things to bash the NCAA for, but to make those players then make that decision in season with their teammates, like you know what I mean? That doesn't that not, doesn't help not just
1: any. in season. Let's I mean, if we're going to continue the the sham that that they're student athletes, um, when then well they are to some degree. They but. are. I mean, they have to take classes, so yes, they are student athletes. But we also know that a lot of them are viewing this as business decisions. And and all you have to do is just look back to the transfers who have gone outbound, and really the transfers who have come inbound. But, um, you know they're in the middle of classes, and that affects not just their academic progress, but also the APR reports for programs and everything else. So, I mean, it's there's a lot of unintended consequences, as as the guy over in Breslin Center might say. Yeah, no, and so that that you do not want.
0: Mid, you just don't want that to be mid mid season. I mean, that's awful. That would be awful. And, and the NCAA should be ripped if that's the way. The, these guys should have, you know, uh, some sort of thing that extends into the off season because you're, you're yeah. Uh, let let let's hope that's but changed. but as,
1: as we saw, just looking at the Connor Hayward situation and other guys either outbound or inbound, they've played their four games and went into the portal and stopped playing so they wouldn't get hurt. I mean. Those, those things, those things that have been happening, this isn't, which isn't just, that's not a coaching change or coach being fired situation though. That's how the portal operates. Guys can do that and, and preserve themselves to make sure they can get to the next store, next school. So I don't know. I mean, it. You're talking about individual decisions in, in a collective, right? I mean, everybody's going to have their reasons and rationale. And I do think that for Harlan Barnett, the rest of the assistant coaches and Mark D'Antonio, it's, well, particularly for Mark D'Antonio, it's a different climate. And player retention is something that coaches in 2023 think about a lot more of than they did in 2019, but, I, I mean,
0: he's just doing the rest of the year here, I think. And, and you know, I don't think that will be his the, – the, the one thing I was going to say earlier, too, that could help Michigan State, and this is, again, advancing thoughts probably from beyond where they should be right now, but whatever. A guy like Noah Kim, where, you know, you, you may look at, boy, he has two full years of eligibility left after this year. That could be problematic if he wins the job for some people if they've got good young quarterbacks they want to look at. if you lose both those young quarterbacks who are not from this area, one of one of whom's is not playing yet. The other who uh, might just be like, "Look, I didn't sign up for this." You know, who knows? But you at least at Michigan State are going to have a guy with two years of eligibility left without an NFL frame, so he's probably not going anywhere. Who looks like a pretty competent college quarterback to lead you? Nathan Carter is a guy, a running back who's got some eligibility left, and again, running backs, you know, he'll be eligible to leave for the draft if you wanted to at any point. But he's got some some real close ties uh, on, on on campus in terms of. Uh, friends and relationships and things. I, I don't think he's like so. You got some guys who I don't think are going to want to go, and there are probably more guys like that.
1: But that's speculative though, because I mean, Absolutely. you don't know who the next guy might be. Correct. You know, and, and you might
0: get somebody, and, and and you might get somebody who comes in and 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 I think Michigan State will have to be aware of this. I, I do think though, who you hire next, it, it's different than before. Like they went from a guy who was extremely loyal and didn't get rid of anybody from the John L. Smith era and was really great with that. I mean, that retention helped in a lot of times, but became loyal to a fault at times, right? And and then you went with a guy who was much more transactional and compete to play, compete to stay, all that stuff. I do think when you have a coach fired in the middle of the season and the trauma that causes, who you hire, it is your responsibility in the interview process to hire somebody who understands this point. I didn't recruit you, but you didn't choose me either. You are my guys. You cannot bring in a, a lesser version in terms of Dion De- Sanders and run people out. That would be you. You want to talk about something that would be just ethically awful. I, I I would I would be that would be incredibly annoying, and I would write the piss out of that. Sorry, I didn't mean to say piss. I don't know if I can say that, but I think you can. Um, it's on a podcast. I podcasting good 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 um i because that would that would drive me and say you you when who you choose and sometimes places do this too much as a reaction you know you have the hard edge coach and so you get the soft players coach and that didn't work so you go back to the hard edge coach and there's a reaction i do believe to some extent though who you bring in needs to be somebody who has a understanding of what the player base that has just gone through has gone through but
1: also has an understanding of what the portal is and a clear True. explanation yep. of how they plan to use it, inbound or outbound. I mean, that's something that you know. I, I in covering the program, uh, it was it was very much like being at a train station over, over the last four four years, last three years really, twenty twenty one, two and and this year. I mean, you sometimes you are getting to know guys for a hot minute, and they're gone to the NFL, like guys like Daniel Barker and Kenneth Walker, um, mere speed guys that came in and gone. So it, that that I think at some point not only wears on your program and does isn't it's not program building, but it also wears on the fan base because they don't know half the yeah. time who the kids are. And I think there's, there's gotta be someone if, if they do make an, another hire that, that that's something in 2020 when Mel Tucker was hired, wasn't a thing. Really Mel Tucker made that a thing. Remember, I remember asking Pat Fitzgerald, speaking of coaches who are free agents right now that, uh, in before the 2021 season at the big 10 media day, I said, uh, you know, Michigan state's brought in all these transfers and there's been so much, uh, attrition. I mean, do you think that's, the wave of the future. And he said, well, if it works, coaches are the greatest imitators and, and theft and thieves, they'll use it. And really what we saw at, at Colorado with Deion Sanders is an extension of what Mel Tucker did here in 2021, it, the, the, the next step. So seeing that, knowing that um, it, it does make for a really compelling uh, decision-making process for the next hire. Uh, without a question, I mean, you, not, you need to have someone who can navigate the portal, but also prevent guys from going into the portal and not make the, this be a, another whistle stop on the way to the NFL. Just like you don't want this job, the head coaching job, to be a job hopping spot for coaches. That, that, and I think that's Michigan State sometimes do a fault in a lot of ways in a lot of areas throughout the whole university has that insular approach. Where we're taking care of our own, we're family—all of those things that you hear. There are good things to it, um, but there are also bad things. And you know, yes, and you look at what D'Antonio did—you may say loyal to a fault—but how many coaches have stayed at somewhere thirteen years? Is and is that gonna is that gonna change now that, right. that college football has become more business-like? I don't know. I mean, that's 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 what makes this this higher. Uh, assuming that Mel Tucker does not come back and is fired. That makes it a very, very important hire. So, uh, and, and I don't know what the balancing act is to try and find it, quite honestly, right now, because there's such limited data because we're only talking right. about basically three years of the portal, real portal era like this, where it's completely transactional.
0: I want to sort of wrap on this, and you and I both have uh, other things we, we need to get to today. And we will be back uh, later in the week to do a, a football-y, Washington game podcast and something that just sort of get I, I just yeah. doesn't feel great to to crunch into that. We also haven't talked to I mean yeah I, I just think we need to give it a couple of days.
1: We're expected to talk to Harlan Barnett on Tuesday for the first yep. time as head coach. We talked to him last week as uh, secondary coach, but we're also later this week. I mean this is the Washington game. I think it's important. Mark Antonio is going to be back anyway for Javon Ringer's Hall of Fame induction and, and as well as the 2013 Rose Bowl reunion. So. That there's certainly going to be some compelling stories uh, with Mark D'Antonio coming back and Harlan Barnett taking over, and and the guys that brought the program to a different level coming back um, in a in a big time of need and leadership for the guys who are here now. This sort of ruined what should have been a really
0: intriguing week. Um, in a lot of ways, with with the Washington game, a game that I think was circled and sort of a, uh, a measuring stick in a game that uh, in a you know a game you're sort of avenging last year and, and when things spiraled and a lot of stuff and then the Rose Bowl uh, group that, that is, is beloved from 10 years ago and and all this all this gets in the way um, obviously not um, not ideal and and you know we'll find out real quick we're going to learn real quick about this team in the sense of
1: you know their ability to focus. <laughs> oh yeah, that, that, because and the coaching staff because they're affected by this too.
0: Absolutely, their families. Every everything's up in the air. If you coaching staffs, I mean, there, there's a really good chance that everybody on this coaching staff, or a lot of them, are going to have to move. Yeah, and their families are going to have to move, and their kids are going to have to change schools. And you know what? They all know it right now, and that's tough. And so it is. It is not an ideal week. It'd be interesting to see how they can die. I do think this that they're the. the the fan base and the players and the coach there there might be there is there's some shared trauma here and I do think there will be a rallying together. I do think people will be supportive. Um, I do think people will be a little understanding too. I really do. I I would not I would be stunned. You know, we we've heard the the, the whispers of we heard the whispers of booze two weeks ago when things didn't start great or whatever. I would be stunned to hear
1: a single boo, even if things go poorly this week. I would probably agree with you. I think this fan base understands the, I mean, for lack of a better term, the, the bombshell that really kind of shook the program and the the fan base. Um, yeah. I, I saw Jordan Hall's mom on Twitter talking about how, how the guys on Monday morning talking about how the players really need – the the support and positivity of the fans and you know uh, not even from a football standpoint seriously from a from a mental I mean everybody talks about mental health and well being I mean this is this is for them guys that chose East Lansing chose to go to Michigan State chose to play for Mel Tucker it's a traumatic moment for some of them maybe their first traumatic moment in their lives so it is certain it, it it falls. Way short of some of the other traumas that that people and players, but individuals process things differently. So, um, I do think that that, that will be. I, I would imagine between the, the support for the players and the the love for Mark Dantonio that Michigan State fans have, and and, and in proxy to, for Harlan Barnett and you know his almost forty years. Uh, around the university. I, I I think the the fans are gonna understand and get it. And that said, it could also be a really long night because that's a really, really, really good Washington team. We'll get into that a little bit more later in the week. And um
0: we'll have complete coverage on this uh it, it and, and of of Harlan Barnett's sort of introductory press conference in some ways, but also game week press conference on Tuesday and everything that follows at lsj.com at freep.com creedandwhite.com. please uh, rate subscribe just don't 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 hit us um, and uh, this has been a production of the Lansing State Journal Detroit Free Press and USA Today Network for Chris for myself thanks for listening